Lord, I thank you for gathering us here right now. I thank you, Lord, that we are in a place together. Oh, I like that word, together. Because, Lord, when I need a good kick in the tail end because of your love, I'm glad I got brothers and sisters around here that will kick me in the tail. But then when they kick me in the tail, they wrap me up in those loving arms and say, now, experience God's grace and love. I thank you that we're here together to say, hey, you know what? I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we are sinners, but we have been saved by God's grace, and he no longer sees sin. To God be the glory. And Lord, I want to thank you right now in Jesus' name that we are here today to celebrate the single greatest event in all of history, your resurrection. God, thank you. Speak to us just for these few moments. Then, Lord, we don't leave this place the same as when we came in. Not because of the words of a preacher or not because of the words of the person sitting next to us, but because the Holy Spirit spoke and ministered and we were transformed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, hey, I just want you to tap that person next to you on the, on the shoulder, on the knee, just say, hey, Let's just see what God's got to say today. Let's do it real quick. People get really kind of weirded out when I do that. All I'm saying is just touch your shoulder. Just touch your shoulder. Now, what I'm about to say might throw you for a second, and that's good because then I got your attention. But if it throws you, just hang in there with me because I'll bring some resolve to it in a moment. Jesus' death on the cross, in my opinion, they're all wrapped up together. Death and resurrection is all the single greatest moment. But what I will say is this. The death on Jesus dying on the cross oftentimes overshadows the resurrection. In fact, how many people wear necklaces with a cross on it? How many people wear necklaces with an empty tomb on it? They don't make them. How many times do you see several crosses in a church? How many times do you see empty tombs in the church? All right, you ready for this? Jesus' death cross by itself was not enough. Jesus' death on the cross was not enough to give us what God had promised. To get us where He wanted to take us. Jesus' death was not enough. In fact, if you don't believe me, I want you to real quick open your Bible up and turn to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to step this out. I hope I got your attention now. 1 Corinthians 15. Moving very quickly. Someone try to beat Lane Thomas. 1 Corinthians 15. And when you get there, I want you to say, Amen. Amen. And for those of you that are still moving there, that's all right. I'm going to read slow. I'm going to start in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 15. Here we go. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. 
More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead, but He did not raise Him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, useless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, they're lost too. If Jesus has not risen, then everyone that has died is burning in hell. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But we know that Jesus rose. We know that he's alive. He came back, didn't he? Oh, I don't think people are convinced today. We know that Jesus came back, didn't he? He came back. He rose. He arose from the grave. And I I want us to understand something. The cross, yes, the cross paid for our sin. Does everyone understand that? The cross paid for our sin, but the resurrection brought us life. Hey, what are you going to do if the cross pays for your sin, but there's no life to fill in the space? See, the cross removed, everybody follow me here, the cross removed what was keeping us separate from God, but with, if it had just been up to the cross, there was no doorway open up to get to what the door had promised for us. The cross took away what separated us, and the resurrection opened the door. To his kingdom. Quite honestly, as much as the death of Jesus seems to grab us because of his suffering, the joy of his resurrection should overshadow all of it. Because I'm going to tell you what, I'm nothing without this. You're nothing without this. Jesus cannot be in your heart if he didn't rise again. Okay, who's thinking about the crock pot? Let me just touch in on a few things, what the resurrection did, okay? Number one, the resurrection proved everything that Jesus said about himself. I, I just, let me just read real, real quick, Luke 24, 7. Just listen to this real quick. The Son of Man, this is Jesus talking, I must be handed over to sinners... He who never had any sin must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day raise it, rise again. That's a tall order. If I walk up to you guys and, and say, hey, I'm going to die next week, but then I'm going to ra- be raised again in three days, you guys will look at me like what? Lost his mind? Commit him somewhere. What's the only way I'm going to prove my words to you? Doing it. Now, just so you know, just so you know, historically, and I'm going to take 10 seconds on this, historically, the Roman government never put an armed guard at a tomb. Why? Because typically, I'm talking about the tombs of those crucified. Why? Because typically those who were crucified were deemed not worthy of anything anyways. So there were soldiers there. 
And then when the rock and roll started, it knocked them to their it knocked them right to their, their rear ends. In fact, it's documented historically in Jewish uh, understanding that, hey, all we know is that he wasn't there. We think maybe his, his followers came and stole his body. How did his followers move the stone? Jesus rose. I'm not going to get into all it today. Number two, Jesus' resurrection defeated death. The victory is his. And consequently, the victory is ours. Never. So I want you guys to understand something. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, death will never again have a hold over you, except if Jesus, if Jesus doesn't have a hold on you. If Jesus doesn't have a hold on you, then death will. Who just heard that? If Jesus doesn't have a hold on you, then death will. It's, not, it's an either or. You get one or the other. And it's kind of like this. I want you to look at, how many remember, who's the most famous person we ever saw come back from the dead in the Bible besides Jesus? Lazarus. How many would say that Lazarus was resurrected? I would beg to differ, and I'll tell you why. Resurrection means no more death. Lazarus, I would say, was resuscitated. Because guess what happened to Lazarus about 50 years after that? Jesus resurrected because guess what? 50 years after that, he was still alive. A thousand years after that, he was still alive. Two thousand years after that, he's still alive. You can go to all the other, uh, all the other uh, religious organizations uh, throughout the world, and their leadership is under a gravestone somewhere. Their founding prophet is under a gravestone somewhere. I'm glad ours isn't. I'm glad the Savior of the world is alive. So Romans 6.9 says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He can't die again. No, death no longer has any mastery over Him. In fact, Matthew 28 is really cool. It says, he comes out and says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Oh, I find that interesting. He so took it to death. He so stopped death. He so stopped the enemy. He says, All authority has been given to me. How much authority? How much authority? How much does that leave the devil? If Jesus has all authority and Jesus lives in me, all authority is a part of my life and a part of my walk and a part of me being in his kingdom, what does the devil have over me? Jesus came and defeated death. Revelation 1.18 says, I am he who lives, though I was dead. Look, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I love this part. He says, I've got the keys of hell. i got the keys of Hades and of death. i got them right here. Guess who I took them from? The enemy. And he ain't getting them back. Aren't you glad? So that's what Jesus did on his... Us. Now, you ready for more and how it affects us even more? Jesus' resurrection provides us with new life. Look at your neighbor and say, new life. New life. See, the meaning of the resurrection is that this. And I want you to point to yourself. The meaning of the resurrection is this. Point to yourself. 
God is for me. God is for me. How many people believe that God is against you? Oh, I used to work in a Christian bookstore, and I loved it. Some of, some of these, there was this band of, 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 of folks who, they thought they were into Satanism and witchcraft. They really did. They'd wear dress in black, and they'd come in, and, and they, they'd play games with the Christian bookstore. And they'd walk in to see if the roof would fall down when they'd come in. And then they'd come in, and they'd walk up. I don't know how many times this happened. They'd come up to the counter, and they'd say, they'd say uh, uh, excuse me, sir, do you have the Satanic Bible in stock? And then he had, and I'm like, huh. I'd laugh with him just to see what they do. And then one day I said, you didn't really come in here to ask me that. They said, yeah, we did. I said, well, you wouldn't ask that if all your other little buddies weren't were here, huh? Um, I said, yeah, we would have. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. Let's look at something here. Do you know that God is for you? And, of course, what was the response I got? What, what kind of response? No, he wants to destroy me, you know, blah, 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 you know. No. God is for you even in how you're acting right now. God is for you even when you're against him. He's for you. I'm going to say it again. God is for you when he, even when you're running against him. He's for you. And what proved that? The resurrection proved that. His aim is to bring us closer to Him. He wants to overcome. He wants to bring us to a point where we overcome all sense of abandonment and rejection. You know what? If I was to interview each one of you one-on-one -on -one and ask you how many of you feel abandoned or how many of you feel rejected by people, I guarantee you a large percentage of people sitting in here today would say, yeah, if they got honest. And I'd be the chief of that sinner right there. <laughs> And what did God come? Why did He rise again? So that He could help us overcome that because He has not abandoned us. And so if you're sitting in the pew right now believing God has just chosen to hold out on you or God is somehow trying to keep something from you, that's the liar, the enemy telling you that. And remember what I told you a few minutes ago? He has no authority anymore. No authority was left over for Him. He only has the authority we give him by listening to his lies. I know not many of you have been on the pulpit before and preach, but it's really annoying when you preach and then you're standing up here and the Lord says, yeah, you better listen to your words. At which point I'm like, Lord, can we deal with this later? I'm preaching. Don't you know I'm preaching? Don't bother me, God. Come on. The resurrection of Jesus is God's declaration to the world that we can't do it alone. How many have tried to do life alone? Come on now. How many have tried to do life alone, figure it out, do it on their own? And how many have epically failed? <laughs> the Lord says, I know this already. That's what he was saying to Israel. Guys, uh, let me lead you through this, 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 this place, and I'll get you to the promised land that I got for you. It's going to be pretty awesome. But you're going to have to lean on who? You're going to have to listen to who? You're going to have to follow who? And Israel thought they knew better. Forty years! Anybody felt like they'd been in the wilderness for 40 years? And yet who's still standing there saying, I'm for you? I'm for you. I'm not against you. Jesus was handed over to be crucified. 
for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised back to life to prove that He has made us right with God. That's Romans 4.25. He did this and rose again to prove that you are right with God through Him. Okay, anybody hear me right now? He did this. He rose again to show you that, hey, you put your trust in me. You are on good terms with God. Beyond good terms. You are on adopted child status, which in Roman culture was greater than biological child status, believe it or not. There were more privileges for an adopted child because you were chosen. Okay, who here has been chosen? Oh, come on now. Who here has been chosen by God to follow Him? Every hand, whether you're a believer or not, has to be up in reality. He's chosen you. It says, whosoever believes in Him. And guess what? He wants to draw you. Romans 8.34 says this, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, and indeed is interceding on our behalf. Let me tell you right now, if I didn't have Jesus standing next to God saying, you know what, I was there, Father. I know it gets pretty crazy. But remember, I died for Him, and that blood, that blood was shed. And if I, and I hear you, son. <laughs> At which point, Dave Chapel is still saved. <laughs> Dave Chapel was still headed for heaven and walking in the kingdom now, and headed for the full kingdom in heaven. So I'm going to tell you something right now. There's only one power that can deal with your sin. Listen to me right now. There's only one power that can deal with your sin. There's only one power that can deal with your guilt. There's only one power that can deal with the failure that you feel. It's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the resurrection power. When we take sin and self to the cross for death, we better also then receive the life that came from His resurrection. See, a lot of us go to the cross, go to the cross, go to the cross, kneel at the cross, take our sin to the cross, take it, take it, take it, take it. He says, that's fine. I want you to cast every burden at my feet, but guess what I want you to pick up? Life, because I rose again. Don't just keep going to the altar begging God to forgive you. He already said that He... He says, instead of playing this game of asking for forgiveness every other month... Why don't you take hold of life and be changed so you ain't got to keep doing this all the time? Hey, God's patient. He loves us. But don't you think He wants to see us do more than just be constantly at, on our knees begging God to forgive us? What if you, you constantly begged your parents out of guilt to do things for you? Wouldn't they kind of get annoyed after a while? Especially when they love you and they want to what? Oh, mother, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I'm such a jerk as a son. Please don't write me out of your will. Don't leave Liz everything. At least, at least leave me the big couch in the living room, please. Please. You'd live a life like that, your parents could be like, would you just shut up? I love you already. Right? So why do we do that with God? 
God, I'm such a horrible person. You just don't know what I've done. Yeah, I was. I saw what you did. was right there when it happened. Saw it with my own two eyes. I'm omnipotent, remember? I saw it all, and yet I'm still saying, come, come, come to me. Come to me that you might have life. Take the life and stop playing around with the death all the time for this life. Last two things, Jesus' resurrection then gives us power for this life. So we pick up that life, and the resurrection is the promise of God that all who trust will receive every promise that He has for us. Because all His promises, those of you who know this verse, all His promises are yes and amen. And how many know there's a lot of promises in the Word of God for our lives? Galatians 2.20, one of my favorites, says this, I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I don't live anymore. But because of the resurrection, Jesus Christ lives in me. So the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's so cool. I'm just going to read real quick Ephesians 1. This is cool. I'm about to, I'm about to wrap this thing up. Crockpots don't have to be on much longer. Ephesians 1, 19. And his incomparably, oh, I like that word. Everybody say incomparably. His incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Jesus when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, rule and authority. I like that. It doesn't just say he's just a step above. He says, far above all authorities, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Where's the church? Where's the church? Every believer, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You want to know what the cool part is? Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, far above every authority, and who is seated right next to him? Now I'm going to say it again. Jesus is right on the right hand of the Father, far above every authority. I'm talking about the stuff, the ones that lie to you and tell you. I'm talking about the demonic stuff that just constantly tells you what you aren't, constantly tells you what a sinner you are, constantly tells you what a mess you are. He is far above all authority. And who's sitting right next to him? Woo! Lastly, Jesus Christ, his resurrection, makes it possible then that when I die in this, in this body here, when I die, I will raise again and live for eternity where? With my Father in his kingdom. That's only possible because he rose again. I'm going to see loved ones again. Why? Because he rose again. I'm going to be with those that I've missed for many years. Why? Because he rose again. I'm going to be in the presence of God Almighty. Why? Because he rose again. So I'm going to wrap this up here. I want you to hear this. Romans 10.9. I love this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Can anybody do that today? 
Jesus is Lord. Now, here, 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 here's something I don't want you to miss. And it says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. There's the clincher. You've got to believe that God raised him from the dead. Then, and only then, will you be saved. Now, here's the thing. This isn't just about fact. Oh, yeah, I believe Jesus was saved because that's what they, or, or that he rose again because that's what they taught me in Sunday school when I was a kid. Nope, that's not going to cut it. Oh, I believe it because that's what the Bible says. You're getting warmer. No, in my heart of hearts, I believe it more than anything else that this world has to offer, that Jesus rose again, and that he is the only thing that will bring me life. It means I'm confident that God is for me, and that he has closed the gap between us, that he is transforming my life and that he will save me for, eternal, for eternity. I believe that the resurrection means I'm trusting in all the promises of life and hope and of righteousness for which it stands. And it means I'm so confident of God's power and love that I am not going to fear, oh boy, this is really eating at me right now, I am not going to fear whatever this world tries to throw at me. I believe God's bigger. Hey, come on, don't miss this for a moment. I believe that God is bigger. Don't let that neighbor of yours distract you. Make sure they're encouraging you, and that's it. I believe that God is bigger than anything else that this world could throw at us. I'm going I'm to just share this one last thing. We got a tomb. Pilate also ordered that a stone be rolled in the front. Now, some say... Yeah, that's to trap, keep, the, keep the, the smell out, yeah. It was also his plan, too, to keep uh, uh, anybody from trying to steal the body. Because Jesus posed a real threat in that respect in his thinking. But this was a big stone, guys. This wasn't a stone that one man comes along or a couple men come along. This was a big stone. This was a big piece of rock. Rolled in front of our very small-looking tomb here. But when those ladies on, that, on that, that morning after the Sabbath run down and they, they get there, the stone has what? Oh, I, I just heard a couple of you. The stone was what? Rolled away. And we hear there was an angel in the tomb. There was an angel sitting on the rock. Who are you looking for? He is not here. Why are you looking for the dead, the living amongst the dead? Now, here's my question for you today. Why did the angels roll the stone away? It was certainly one because Jesus needed a way out. Because one week later, he's walking through the walls, showing up to talk to his disciples. It wasn't to let Jesus out. How many have seen the movies? The stone rolls away and out walks Jesus. How many have seen those before? I'm going to tell you what, I think the tomb was already empty. It was already empty. Then the angel said, you know what? The Lord said, you two, go down there, roll that stone out of the way because people, where are some people in this house today? People are going to have to get serious 
about finding out if this is for real or not. And the only way they're going to find out if it's for real or not is to actually get down, stick their head in, and see that it's empty. See, we got a lot of people sitting in churches today that have yet to actually go to the tomb, so to say, and really determine, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Because I'm going to tell you what, if you really come to that conclusion that Jesus rose from the dead, then folks, He is more than enough, and you have got to deal with the fact that nothing in this world is greater than the life that Jesus has brought. Who's hearing that? We've got to press in. We've got to press in. My question is today, who's willing to actually sprint down to the tomb just to stick their head in to see if it's empty? Don't take my word for it. Don't take your friend's word for it. You find out. Got to you find out. We have got to leave the mindset behind that somehow, oh, well, yeah, I believe it. Where do you believe it? Up here or right here? Because if you believe it up here, you can talk a good game, but your life's a mess. But if you believe it here, your, your life might be, have been a mess, but it's being transformed. And that's only possible through resurrection power. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. Anybody else in the house want to be changed and transformed? All right, it's time that we start looking to see just how empty that tomb is. I'm done taking other people's words for it. It's time to know that I know that I know that Jesus is alive. Because if I believe in my heart, I declare in my mouth that he's the Lord, that Jesus is the Lord, and I believe in my heart that, Je- that the Father raised him from the dead. Oh, hello. The word is very clear. I am saved. And if I'm saved, you know what saved people look like? Saved people look like you and me, except the Lord's changing them one step at a time. And I don't make excuses for why I, 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 I fail or mess up. But I will tell you this. He rose again, and he's coming back soon. And folks, he's coming back sooner than ever before. And whether you believe what I'm about to say or not, that's up to you. You need to do your own looking. Just like I told you, you need to do your own looking in the tomb. You need to find this out. But Jesus is coming soon. Prophecies that are thousands of years old are coming to pass even in the last ten years talking about the end times. Things are geared up for that, 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 that Armageddon war. All the players are coming into play like never before. You say, oh, great, he's scaring us into heaven. No, I'm speaking truth that you'll maybe stay out of hell. Find out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. You need Jesus and so do I. Hey, before we leave this place, you need to tell your neighbor they need Jesus. Just say, you need Jesus. Tell each other that. (laughs) Make sure it's being reciprocated. There are some people that like to say, you need Jesus, Aaron. 
Oh, Lorraine, for heaven's sakes, get yourself together. You know there's people out there that like that stuff. You need Jesus, Janice. Janice is like, dear God, why did he pick on me? But you need Jesus, Josh Branch, all the way in the back. But guess what? I need him more than you do. Man, I need Jesus. Because without Jesus, I can do nothing. And without Jesus, I'm going to be hoarse for no reason at all at the end of this message. Man, we need Jesus. And guess what? He's alive, and we can have him all we want. Oh, come on. He's alive, and we can have him all we want. He's right here. To God be the glory. Lord, we just give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. I'm just praying right now, every head bowed. If there's anyone here today that says, I do not know that I have set my heart on believing that Christ is Lord and that He has risen again, I do not believe I have turned myself over to Him to say, Lord, start Your work in me. Change me. Forgive me that's the sin that You've already taken. And I, I lay it at Your feet. I lay it at the cross, but then I receive life. If there's anyone here today that says, I, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Maybe you've walked with him in the past and you're just not now. I need Jesus. Just slip your hand up and just put it back down real quick. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. I need Jesus. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. All over the place. I need Jesus. Lord, we just want to praise you and thank you, God. We need Jesus. We need you. And the beautiful part is you are right here. You are right here. And we thank you for that. I'm glad you're not, in an, you're not in a tomb. I'm glad you're not under a headstone. I'm glad that you are alive. Hallelujah. And I thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. I just pray for every person here who says, I need Jesus. We just say again, thank you for saving me. Thank you that my sin has been cast upon you. It has been paid at the cross. And now I take hold of the life that you, you won by being raised from the dead. Thank you for changing me and transforming me. Continue your convicting of, convicting of each of our hearts of those things that are not of you. But Lord, you're doing it in love, not to destroy. And thank you, Lord, for making us what you've called us to be. You're good. We love you. And we praise you. To God be the glory. My Jesus lives. In Jesus' name. I just want you to stand right where you are. This is how we're going to end it. Sometimes, because we got lessons, can be solemn. Sometimes benedictions can be very complicated because we got lots of words to say. But today, this is our benediction. Jesus, we love you. Can anybody give a final shout of praise in this house today? Go in the peace of the Lord.